presence of God transforms lives and heals hearts. Let's learn today truths on how we can access His presence and release heaven into our daily lives. Welcome to Manifest His Presence with your host, Dr. Candace Smithyman. Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Adam, and uh, today I'm going to share about giving yourself a vacation. So I hope you're ready to hear this. It's likely not uh, our understanding of a traditional, you know, vacation, uh, as many of us know it. So get ready. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer first. Acknowledge the Lord. So, Father, we are grateful for today. We thank you for your, your mercy, your beauty, your love, your grace your forgiveness, your justice, in areas that we are struggling, Father God, to get right before you, we ask for your assistance, that your will be done, and that we submit to your will. And in your son's holy name, we thank you. Amen. Now, I'm going to start this today by sharing a discourse from Jesus, uh, and it's in Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 through 30, and I'm going to be reading the uh, Amplified Version. Again, it's Matthew <coughs> Matthew 11, <coughs> 28 through 30. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden and overburdened, and I will cause you to rest. It, I will cease and relieve and refresh your souls. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle, I'm meek, I'm humble, I'm lowly in heart, and you will find rest relief and ease and refreshment and recreation and blessed quiet for your souls. For my yoke is wholesome. It's useful. It's good. It's not harsh. It's not hard. It's not sharp or pressing, but comfortable, gracious, and pleasant. And my burden is light and easy to be born. Wow. That that is such a comforting discourse. A few scriptures there. Wow. Now, I wanted to point out that Jesus didn't say I would refresh your body, but that he will refresh our soul. Soul is our mind, will, and emotions. Now, no doubt, of course, our bodies need physical rest. But I guess what I'm trying to get at today is, have you noticed that you can rest your body? You can can lie down, let your physical body rest, you know, recover, get rejuvenated, but Frequently, our minds don't rest, (laughs) but I'm just going as fast as that little hamster in a cage. And see, our soul, again, it consists of our mind, will, and emotion. So while our physical body is resting, our mind many times is not, but is rather still hard at it. And I mean, for instance, you can lie down and still be getting more and more upset over something. You're, You're pondering it. Yeah, you're calming your body, the physicalness, but now you're really churning over whatever is going on that might be a challenge in your life. I I know people that use their resting time as their worrying time. And folks, when we do that, we're not getting the proper rest that we need. So this scripture here, Jesus is saying, if you're upset, if you're frustrated about something, Come to me, he says. If you have a problem and you don't know what to do about it, come to me. If 
if you have kids, if your child is in trouble, if your child isn't processing life right and not respecting you, not, uh, you know, all the challenges that can come with children, with being around people, he says, come to me. If you have any type of burden, any type of issue, he says, come to me. Let me share this reference from an Old Testament scripture. It's in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk that way. Mm. See, the soul, I guess another way to look at this could be considered the inner life, not the shell of us, not the body, but, but what's on the inside of us, our mind, will, and emotions. And Jesus is saying, if, if we will just come to him, we're going to find something that our soul needs. And that something comes in the form of, you know, maybe relief or ease or refreshment or recreation, uh, a blessed peace and quiet. Now, you know, when you hear things like that, doesn't it sound like a vacation? I mean, to me, it does. That, that's exactly what many of our souls need. So I hope that kind of got your attention <laughs> because I think everybody loves a vacation. You know, you can take your body on vacation and still be working diligently hard in your soul. Your soul didn't get a vacation. And, you know, I've that's, you know, that's, I think, you know, I think that's a lot of times what people will say once they come home from a vacation they go, I need a vacation from my vacation. You know, I've come to realize that we have this outer life and we have an inner life. And I, I don't know if we realize this, but you know what's more important to God? It's the inner life. The inner life needs a rest. Inner life needs a vacation. Inner life needs some blessed quiet. The, the inner life needs some refreshment and, and our minds need to be at ease. Are you, are you aware that the yoke Jesus mentioned in the scripture we started with today is a, is a heavy wooden harness that fits over the shoulders of, during this time, it'd be like an ox, you know, and still to this day. I mean, it can be fit over some very powerful horses too. You know, Clydesdales wear them. Uh, any pull kind of working horse, even cows, but mainly ox. So what Jesus is saying here, he doesn't, that's not to offer a life of luxurious ease. The, the yoke is still an oxen's tool for working hard. But it's a, the, the, pro, the, the thing to grasp about this, it's a shared yoke with the weight falling on bigger shoulders than yours, than mine. So, someone with more pulling power is up front helping. You know, picture that being with the yoke, you know, around the oxen and they, the farmer would be walking behind him with the, with the plow, plowing the land. He's just there kind of to steer and push a little bit, but it's really the oxen who are doing most of the work. That analogy is what Jesus is talking about. And many of us need to take a good look in the mirror and admit the approach to life that we have been using up till now probably isn't working like we hope it had been. So, so what this means then is we have, if, if there's a way to look at this half full, that glass is half full, half empty, there's an opportunity here 
to change our approach to life. And it doesn't matter what your age is. See, and we can change to what God says we are to do in order to give our souls some much needed rest. Now, again, we all know we need physical rest. Without that, we can't do what needs to be done on, in our lives. I mean, if our, we just wear our body down and breaks down and you're, you're done, you gotta get rest, physical rest. That's why we go to sleep. We need, some, we need some rest. So our body during that sleep time, you know what our body's doing? It's rejuvenating all the areas where we've been depleted through the day. It's building things back up. But, but we also need to realize that we become you know, worn out with too much activity, too many thoughts, too many decisions. And frankly, here's something that, ooh, yeah, this might get some of you, and I'm, I'm, I'm not really sorry about it, but it needs to be said. It's, it's frankly that just too many of us talk too much. <laughs> might be funny as you're listening to me, right? I'm talking. But if you've been around me, if any of you know me, I don't talk that much. Okay, I try to I try to be very wise in talking. I try to listen and speak after I hear other people speaking. And I got to tell you something, and this isn't it's about my wife, Candace, because see, my wife, Candace, can really talk. And you know what I've noticed in the 34, you know, we're going to be married 33 years here in a, in a month. We've known each other for 34 years. And one thing I noticed about her from the very get go. She talks a lot. And I've also noticed this now. She's wiped out almost every day. And she doesn't do a lot of physical stuff. It's because she's talking a lot. I mean, because many, a lot of times she's either lounging, she's talking, uh, she's in a chair, she's talking. So her tiredness is not necessarily a physical, like, workload of, you know, being tired. I mean, she tries, she gets her exercise, don't get me wrong. But what I'm getting at, and I'm using her as an example, I'm not trying to belittle her, oh gosh, please don't take that away. Because a lot of us are in this realm that I'm just using her uh, as an example because I, I see that every day. But I think what I'm getting at is Candace's mind needs a rest. People like that, their mind needs a rest. And you know what else makes it really hard in this culture I've noticed uh, this culture, this Western culture, really is in love with multitasking. It just kind of just thrives on getting us to do multiple things at the same time. And we've kind of gotten away from doing one thing and doing it well. We just do a bunch of stuff, I think, mediocre and call it great. But that's not, I don't think that's accurate. Most of the time, we are trying to focus on you know, that one thing we're doing, but in reality, we're doing other things as well as then we're always planning that next thing. And by the end of the day, we're tired emotionally because all of the worry and fear that was bouncing around while we're living. Oh, and don't, don't forget this thing, to just throw in this recipe of you know, overworking our mind, will, and emotions is this thing. This has really become big, I think, the last... 15 to 20 years, I think with the onset of, onset of social media and these, you know, iPhones and being able to get in touch with everybody all the time is this, this concept. What are the other people thinking about me and what am I doing about that? That's a big one. That wears us out. 
that's that what every too often too often we're we're concerned about what other people think and say about us. That just wears us out. It and it reveals an insecurity that oh gosh, it wears us out. So after hearing some of this, are you starting to smell what I've been cooking here? And see, if it hasn't happened already to you listening to this, you have to ask yourself this too, in the midst of all this that we're talking about, is do you really want to be pastored or do you want to be pacified? I've been very concerned over the last two decades since mainly I started doing ministry and exploring and really pushing into this gift that God gave me that what is often looked at as pastoring is not actually true pastoring. Jesus is our good shepherd. So he's the greatest model that we should use of being a shepherd, of being a pastor. And I'm pretty confident that Jesus would not pastor people in the way modern pastors have been pressured to do it. Today's culture seems to look at pastoring as something that actually looks more like pacifying in, in my experience and my observation. I don't have a problem saying that. And I've been saying that for quite a while. People come, you know, they, they process like my needs need to be met. I, you got to keep me happy. You got to scratch my edge. Don't tell me anything that I don't want to hear kind of thing. And it's like our culture has turned into this codependent type of culture. And for many, many of us, I've, I've watched this, so I'm not talking without my own experiences. For many people, their church expectation is that the pastor has to jump at every demand, every need, and every complaint they have. And because of this, one of the spinoffs of that is pacifying people become more of a driving force than truly feeding the sheep with what God is saying. The pastors fall for it. Mm. And I'm, I'm also clearly aware, okay, hear this, that there are certain pastors, right, that have in the past and are still sadly misusing their delegated authority and hurting people. That's, that's going to continue. That's always happened because guess what? Those are people. The pastors are people. They're not, they're not God. <laughs> they make mistakes. I think Paul nailed it. The apostle Paul nailed it when he was warning his spiritual son, the young pastor, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, when Paul tells him, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Did you hear that? People will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Man, I've watched this the last 20 years. That, that really goes on because we have social media. So you can go find those people that will reaffirm what you want to hear even if it's not scriptural. <laughs> so I do think it's a critical and fair question to ask is this again, are you positioned to be pastored into your destiny or are you just seeking to be pacified? Now, I'm gonna throw a few things out at us to see how this sits with us. You know, it may irritate us a little bit. It may be like putting a little salt in our wounds, but you know, Salt does that, but it also purifies. And where to be the salt? Now, and I, you got to be honest, because if these bother you, 
All I'm suggesting is that you might need to admit that you want to be pacified more than you truly want to be shepherded. Now, if you don't know this, sound doctrine needs to be endured. Okay? And here's why. Because the solid truth of God often hurts at first. It, it challenges us. It makes us uncomfortable. I know that, that happened to me multiple times when I wasn't doing thing right, things right as a, as a young man, as a young naval officer, as a young husband, and then as a young father. Gosh, I, I could fill up. I'd have overflowing bucket of issues. <laughs> now, and, and what the word of God will do, though, not in an accusing way, but in a manner that calls us to be awakened to a higher level, like we can do better. And I'm merely suggesting that those who want to be pacified, maybe one of the things is you're, you don't have endurance. In other words, what I'm getting at is once the church, church kind of life gets a little challenging or you got to deal with relational conflict, what goes on? within people, as I've watched this, I'm not making this up, is people will bail, they'll, they'll flee, and they'll blame the church for everything. They'll think of something, they'll have one, and there might be some truth to what they're saying, but they're not addressing their issue. That's what we do as people a lot of times. We wanna shift the blame, shift whatever, so that we don't look that bad to others, and we'll point out something all the while putting under the rug the issue that we got to deal with. I, I can tell you, me and Candace counseled so many people that, that so enjoyed the ministry we had. And it was during those times that the real rubber hit the road when we were individually talking with them, when they'd start to confess their issues and we'd, we'd encourage them. This, you know, they, they, they'd come to us going, what does God say I'm supposed to do about this? We'd tell them. And it, I'd just... I'm not making this up. And I didn't like write down every instance, but I'm telling you, it was probably 75% of the time the people would leave because they didn't want to do what God's word said they had to do. And then because of social media, these people would leave and they'd say something about us or me or Candace or me primarily because I'd be this father figure and they didn't like that I was trying to point them how to correct their lives via the word of God. It ha it, this is what happened. And it would happen. I think a third of the people probably stayed and appreciated it, but a majority didn't. They wouldn't. And, and, and they just wouldn't do it. Because see, those who want to be pacified will make big statements, <laughs> especially on social media. But you know what? They have no follow through because they didn't learn how to count the cost and build an endurance to plow through seasons of resistance. That's what the Psalm is talking about. It says, you walk through the valley of death. You don't go around it. You don't try to go above it. You don't try to circumvent it. No, you walk through things in life to come out the other side victorious. And yes, there's gonna be pain. There's gonna be loss. There's gonna be sadness. <sighs> I mean, folks, Tough times always will give us the option to run away. It's because the truth makes us uncomfortable. You know, it's like that very famous scene at the end of that movie, A Few Good Men from like 30 years ago. Jack Nicholson does that famous thing right at the end. It's, it's when he says that famous line, it's simply, you can't handle the truth. Many of us, I, I watch it, cannot handle the truth. 
And it's probably the biggest sign because all truth requires us to change. But most people do not want to change, and it's mainly due to pride. Those that are pacified have no interest in changing, but you don't always see that up front because pacifiers want to blame their circumstances. They don't want to address the things within themselves that are a part of the problem because that would mean taking responsibility. The pacified want to act like a baby, right? Give, my, give me my binky. Give me my bottle. Give me my blankie. But don't, don't you dare give me the meat and potatoes that require me to make a change. I want to stay a baby Christian. Mm, that's so sad. I see it so often. You know, when God's truth comes to us, a good shepherd will lovingly equip the saints to deal with their personal issues, their offenses, and their brokenness. But then, then it comes on the individual. You know, if we're not willing to deal with them, how can a pastor truly fulfill his calling in our midst? <laughs> it's, I said this so often, and I'm not trying to belittle any of us, because this happens to me too, is, is really when we're in church, that's the nursery. <laughs> the, the adults looking at, looking at the pastor, the adults in that room, are, it's really the nursery. I'm hoping you're hearing what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, you know, the moment a pastor stops validating the woundedness and makes a call to step out of brokenness, you know what comes up? Resistance. And we come up with a multitude of reasons to say, I got to stay this way. And so what goes on is people go, oh, that pastor was so loving and caring, but now he's the meanest person on the planet. And often people will claim the pastor was being mean and unloving when all the pastor was doing was bringing out bringing up to the table, bringing up to the surface, right? A call to step out of victimhood land and into victory. It's bringing up all the dross and you got to bring up the heat, right? That's what that whole connotation is about the impurity of the gold and silver. You got to turn up the heat and it burns off the impurities to leave behind the pure gold and silver. That, that's, that's the pureness of what the Holy Spirit is doing in us if we will allow it and submit to his will. For the most part, those who are pacified are driven more by their changing emotions and unguarded passions instead of a grounded heart relationship with the Lord. What I'm getting at there is during the week, they'll spend all their time investing in pleasures and addictions. Then when they walk into the church, right, they expect the pastor and leadership to serve their every need. I mean, what goes on is the moment you make them accountable for their loss, they step back and refuse to hear. They have chosen to live a life that lacks any accountability for their lifestyle and actions. They're not interested in being accountable like an adult. They want to stay a baby. The scripture tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, we are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. I mean, have you ever seen a dog that has a really bad itch, <laughs> right? It moves its hind legs like in turbo speed, rubbing to help alleviate that nagging itch. Well, people... See, when pe people will live their, their lives by emotional ups and downs, our, our, our immaturity manifests in needing answers now. It's kind of like that. Whenever there's a problem, those that want to be pacified will call with a demand to be addressed right away. They want a quick fix to get them through the moment. They're not interested in taking the time to grow. They're not interested in admitting they have to deal with themselves. They basically do not want to learn, mature, and truly walk free of what is binding them. And folks, here's the deal. Our problems do not originate overnight and neither will our freedom. A true overcomer 
will work with their shepherd to improve their personal decisions and break free from dangerous blind spots. Sadly, I've had to tell people at times, if you truly have a 911 issue, then, then you need to call 911. I have a story here to tell you, and I'm not trying to implicate anybody, so I'm not going to use names. But there is a person that was in our ministry, and they were having marital problems. And the husband, the, 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 the wife, the female, was in our church body. He was as well, but she was more uh, involved. And uh, they were seeking us for counseling, and we had been seeing them. But they got into a rough spot, and the husband had an anger issue, and he used his car and was hitting her car as she's driving, trying to run her off the road. Now, you know what she did? She called me. Me and Candace were out to dinner. And I get this call, so I answer it, and she's screaming freaking out as anyone probably would be, tells me this. And all I said was, hang up, call the police right now. And she did. But, you know, when I saw her the next day and her husband got thrown in jail (laughs) and she was all sad because of what she did. And I said, you're an enabler and this is part of that fruit. I'm sorry to tell you again, he needs help. Now, this really, really shows it because he really could have done some damage, but I just used that as an example. She called me instead of the police. Now, let me, let me just say something. If you're a pacifier, if you're a pacified person, you know what I just did? That didn't sound very loving, did it? That's what people think. And sadly, I have too many observations of pacifier friends and family not telling them the truth either. See, that's the problem. People all around them know it, they see it, they, they'll, they, but they won't deal with it. And this has happened to me so many times, and I'll be the one that will do what they had the opportunity to do multiple times, and then I take the heat. It happens to me, it happened to me so often. I can't count the times. And I've had, I've had people come up to me and say, thank you for doing that, and then I got labeled inaccurately because I did what the rest of these people wouldn't do when they had the chance. People will dance around this person in fear or they are compliant to their dysfunctionality also. That's just got to stop, people. We have got to deal with stuff when it manifests. One of the hardest things to do in life is to receive a corrective word from a covenant friend or from an overseer that is invested in your life. At first, it can sting, but this does a massive course correction in our lives if we will hang in there and not get defensive, but obey. Those who want to be pacified live with a chronic fear of being exposed or being shamed, so they do whatever they can to ignore the issues of their heart so they can just feel good about today. They often ignore, you know, the authorities in their life who know them. And they're seeing these things and trying to call it out. You know what instead they'll do? They prefer a well-known and popular minister who doesn't know anything about them to rescue them. And what am I talking about? These are the type of people that run from conference to conference, meeting to meeting, listening to these very well-known ministers. But they ignore the counsel of their own shepherds right in their lives, right? Their own friends, their own loved ones who actually have a vested interest in their lives. And finally, through, you know, years of personal observations, those who take the most energy from a church leadership perspective 
are usually the ones who are the least invested invested in the church body. <laughs> oh boy. Hebrews 12, seven, you know, at its core is talking about living before authorities in such a way that you bring them joy. That was talking about, that scripture's talking about a true father will discipline his son, will discipline his children. See, pacifiers drain the resources, energy, and joy out of leadership. It's mostly because they don't take responsibility for their own life. They stay a baby. Just think about that. If your child continues to grow but still responds like a two to four-year-old, doesn't start maturing, what would that do? It would just take all your resources. You got to keep, they can't dress themselves. They can't feed themselves. They can't shower themselves. They can't wipe themselves, etc. See, we progress. We learn the same thing's supposed to happen in our Christian life. See, the church is supposed to be a place to meet their needs rather than equipping station for them to walk out their transformation in life. See, that's what they say. These kinds of people see the church as a place only to meet their needs rather than looking at the church as an equipping station for them to walk out their transformation in life. And unfortunately, you cannot be yourself around them because if you are a human and make a mistake, they take it personal. The moment you fail, and you will, <laughs> their expectation of who you are supposed to be comes, what, what? out comes their anger, readiness, uh, neediness, and victimhood. I've said this to so many people that were around me and Candace, especially when we started out when we were very small and intimate. People be, and I go, well, hold on, we'll wait to see when, when I make you know, the first thing that you don't agree with or I make a mistake, then we'll see how you respond. And they used to go, what are you talking about? No, that's going to be fine. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I watched. Oh, yeah. So I want to do something a little different right now. Remember, we're talking about taking a vacation on our souls. We're not going to worry, folks, about what people think of us. And I tell you what, if we can manage to stay calm, no matter what is going on in our lives, we will conserve a lot of energy. Many of us are sick, not, not necessarily physically sick, but the sick I'm talking about is that we never shut down on the inside. We've spent the, spent the better part of our lives getting upset over things. And then by the time we have calmed down about whatever it was, oh gosh, then we get upset about the next thing because that's been our pattern. Then we get offended and try to work that out. Then we get mad and we have to work at it each week to forgive them. Then it starts all over again. I, I think, you know, is that describing some of you? It's okay, but come on now. And many of us, that endless cycle never ends. So we got to grasp this concept right here. Are you ready? Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. The world is not going to change. You know what? And guess who else isn't going to change? The devil, the Satan. And you know what? I'm going to say a lot of people in your lives will not change and you can't control them anyway. See, there may be people that you know that have changed over the years, but there always seems to be somebody that will come into your life that is a challenge and is just not very, I don't know, nice. So here's the deal. You need to change into what God has called you to be. Well, that's pretty vague and open. What is that? What has God called you to be? You want to know what it is? You ready? Drum roll. Here it is. He's called you to be a servant. I mean, do you like carrying that cross now? 
after all this hurt, pain that comes on from being around people? You carry that cross daily. I mean, you want peace? Well, then cast your care on God. 1 Peter 5, 7, right? Casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Or Psalm 55, 22. Cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Folks, in other words, stop worrying about the things you can't change. Like controlling your spouse, controlling your friends. How about the weather? You can't control it. <laughs> uh, how about the traffic? You can't control it. We can't have peace unless we have it on purpose because the enemy is here to steal our peace. So the, the Satan will set us up so we get upset. Okay, so here's an assignment for us. Okay, make a list. This is for each of us right now. I'm hoping you do this. Make a list over the next few day, days of the things that make you upset. Maybe you can do it right now. You can make a list of things that I just want you to make a list, you know, but you don't have to do it right now. But I mean, I want you to make a list of things that upset you. I want you to write them down so you see them, you read them, and you remember them, right? Remember, I mean, for instance, things like, when you're running late to wherever as you're going out the door or you're late leaving work and you run into a traffic jam that's not expected. That's probably something, right? Or somebody got the promotion at work that you thought was yours, that you wanted. Or the electric bill was higher than you thought this month. And so when you called to inquire why, you were put on hold for you know 15 minutes listening to their cheerfully recorded messages about how much money they save you. Or if you got kids, how about them? They're just complaining to you today or daily. I mean, you know, I'm just giving you a few examples. It's just the endless, endless cycle of stuff. And it, and it happens. Your list is going to be different than somebody else's. You might have some same crossover things. But what I'm getting at, it's the Satan sets us up to get us upset if we aren't paying attention. I mean, how many times have we gotten upset because something was going on in our lives that we didn't like, and then we'll blame the very next person that comes into our view for that problem? I'm talking like, for instance, can't find the car keys or, you know, and then you're late and it was somebody else's fault. So not only do we let the Satan succeed in getting us upset, but then we get into strife with somebody else. It wasn't even their doing. They're like, what is going on? So, I mean, I guess what we're, one of the things that comes out is like, what's the answer to all this? Well, folks, it's simple. It's simple. Calm down and cheer up. Folks, the things that we get upset about don't fix the problems. And so since we got to acknowledge, since the world isn't going to change, you and I need to change our approach. We have, we have a lack mentality. Here's the big picture thing. We have a lack mentality, all of us, in provision, protection, or acceptance. And, and I know we'll say this. We'll wonder how long, just, you know, how long, come on. We'll have to wait for a day that has peace in it. No issues. Everything goes just right. And right, many times we'll go, ah, I'm going to be going on vacation and that's when I'm going to get that peace I've been waiting for. Can I get away from all this hustle and bustle? Well, I hope so. I hope we let our mind, I hope we can do it. We can do it. We can do it daily. Folks, a spiritual mature person is someone who can remain calm no matter what's going on. 
because our emotions and the culture now leads us down a path that we should not go down. We have to learn not to follow our emotions. Have you noticed that every time any kind of storm comes up, I'm talking about like a hurricane, tropical storm, they now for the last decade plus, the media has been making it out to be the last greatest storm we're ever going to have and thousands, whatever, so many people are going to die. Everything is that way. Everything. That never used to be the case. Why is that? You want to know why? Because it's part of this matrix that wants you to live in fear. That's what I'm talking about. The world isn't going to change. They're only making it worse. We have got to get ourselves better trained to deal with this and not fall for the traps. We've got to learn to not follow our emotions. I mean, think of it like this. Don't board that plane your emotions wants you to get on. Just hand over your ticket to God. And here's a challenge, though, that we can't run from. Our emotions aren't going to go away. They're here. So when things don't go your way, even though you may feel initially upset, don't start talking about it and don't start reacting to it. You know you're only going to get more and more upset, and in a very short order, you're in a full-fledged fit over some little thing That really doesn't make that much difference in a day. Scripture tells us in Psalm 94, verses 12 and 13, Blessed is the man you discipline, O Lord, the man you teach from your law. You grant him relief from days of trouble till a pit is dug for the wicked. Ha, wow. So we're blessed when God disciplines, chastises, and instructs us in his law. Just like a parent should be doing with their children. Now, the discipline isn't very enjoyable to the child, but it's essential to teach them right from wrong. That's what the law does. It shows us right from wrong. And verse 13, we just read in that psalm, says we will keep ourselves calm. The Lord is basically telling us that whatever storm you're in, don't let that storm touch you. We've got to stop letting all these things in the world bother us and upset us. And if you don't stay calm, you're not going to hear from God. If you don't stay calm, you'll not be able to operate in wisdom. And you, you know what I'm talking about now because it's when we get upset that we do all these types of foolish things. If you make decisions while you're upset, you regret it later. I know. I know. Come on. I mean, it, when you're an emotional, really emotional, it's not the time to make a decision. Like, like going shopping. I bet you you bought something when you're emotional. Mm -hmm. I mean, just think about that shiny new thing, whatever it is. And you're saying, wow, this is the best thing that you've ever had. And this thing's going to change my life and I'm going to love it forever. But you know what? Your emotions aren't talking about paying for it. And that's sadly what's gone on in our culture for the last couple of decades or more when people will buy all this stuff on credit and they can't afford it. And then they get put in a big bind I mean, folks, those emotions that go, wow, look at that, I want that now, aren't going to be there tomorrow. Remember, the right path for living is ancient and has been marked out by God. But the people refuse to take God's path going their own way instead. Well, we face that very same decision today and every day. Are we going to go God's old, tried and true way? We're going to follow this new path of our own choosing. I want us to just be cautious. Don't be misled. The only way to find peace and rest for your soul is to walk in God's narrow path. And that pathway begins going through the doorway that Jesus is hoping 
is, is holding open for you right now. Hallelujah. Have a blessed day. God bless you. Thank you for joining Dr. Candice for today's podcast. For more resources and weekly prophetic words direct in your email box, go to our website at www.candicesmithyman.com, Facebook at Candice Smithyman, or Instagram at Candice Smithyman. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread the gospel. 